And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort Donna Dort Donna Dort This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk This is Poku and I'm down to dunk I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Trade season's upon us. Ooh, feels good. Feels real good. Hey, how are you feeling about the levers? Are the levers any bigger to you today than they were last week? Um, I mean, honestly, after that game uh, against the Mavs on Monday, it really feels like Bayes as starter is the lever. <laughs> because nice there's le- something... Hey, it's, it's a lever of sorts. Something changes when he gets in the starting lineup, <laughs> and it is not good... You know, I was I was rewatching the uh, third quarter mm-hmm. when they like got down by twenty two and then came back. Yeah, and starting with Shays three, which started that run, I like loved the lineups. Yeah, and it was it was Shay. It started out Shay Dort Wiggins Jerry Trey Man. Yeah, oh yeah, love it, love that. I would like I would love that. And then they just subbed in uh, Giddy for Man, and yeah. they subbed in uh, who who would be the other guy? Not not Bays. Uh, they subbed in. Oh, Ty Jerome. Yeah, for uh, for Lou Dort. Big hair, and those big like haircut those guy, seven guys are just really solid. Yeah, yeah. And I also love that they the way they closed the game too. That when Dort went out with like two minutes left, that they put Trey in. Yeah, and those lineups obviously did not include base for that run. Did not. They did not include you know they did not include Kenrich. No Muscala, but like. Nothing that happened in that run was fluky other than Josh Giddy did hit two threes during that run, which, yeah. you know, depending on how you feel about Josh Giddy's shot right now. But everything else, like, they just looked really solid, which is really impressive because those seven guys I listed, you know, outside of Ty Jerome and Shea, like, we're mostly talking about first or second year guys. Mm-hmm. And I was just really impressed, like, across the board with that group. Yeah. And thinking ahead for the rest of the season, I'm like, wow, I'd just love to see those lineups just more and more. Just give them to me. We'll but then I'm on. like, hold on. We got to be, we got to make sure we stay in the right place in the standings. And that's when I come back to Bayes' starter. What a great idea. <laughs> He's driving. He's driving against Kristaps Porzingis, who's very good at rim protection <sighs> in that game. It was really something, wasn't it? Yeah. And Mark was like, hilariously sarcastic about 
starting him. It's just weird. Joe's like asking just, hey, does Darius have a chance to start the rest of the season? And he's basically like, oh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, this game means everything. <laughs> it's kind of his response to him. I'm like, what are you being so sassy about, Marcus? Like, what's going on there? I mean, you you look at their last couple games. Yeah. Even like their last 10 games. Like, they've all been close except for the Timberwolves game that they lost by 20. Yeah. But, you know, like three points to Mavs, five points to the Cavs. They beat the Nets, four points to the Wizards, four points to the Nuggets, eight points to the Wolves. Like, this team is playing super competitive right now, and Mm -hmm. that's all without Kenrich Williams. Now, they're not winning necessarily, so we're not freaking out about it. Yeah, they're definitely not winning. And I think if Kenrich plays, I think they win maybe half of those games. They probably do, but what I'm more worried about is – you know those upcoming games. We've we we're playing Indy soon. We're I playing know. four games against Portland soon. Yeah. Like, at some point, if they keep playing this way, they will win games because like yeah. they're playing well enough to win. Yeah, Por- Portland's trying to upgrade. Did you see the the little article on the Athletic today from Sam Amick um, and John Holland? Yeah, but the from what I took away from that is that like Miles Turner actually would be a very smart trade because he's hurt. And yeah. so it actually helped their tank, and he would come back next year. Yeah, no, I, th- I, but I do think that they're looking for other ways to upgrade too. I do. I, I have a feeling most of that will happen during the summer, just because I don't think any of their pieces are really getting you much. Yeah, probably true. It's probably true. But and I am they, interested and to see what. They've won some games ha- recently too. The Blazers have. Oh, I know, and they're not freaking out. Like if if we were. Blazers fans and felt the exact same way that we feel about like maximizing our odds. Like we'd be absolutely freaking out right now. Losing it. Yeah. Going crazy. And then I was listening to Danny Morang's podcast and Mm -hmm. he's just not worried at all. And that's how we kind of felt last year. Yeah. Like at a certain point, but it took so much for OKC to make up ground. Like they had to go, I forget what the stretch was. It was like three and 27 or something. Yeah. Some, Terrible record. They won one game out of like 22 games or something like that. Yeah. That's just really, that takes a lot of commitment. It was so bad. It was. Or you have to have just like the absolute perfect mix of terrible chemistry like the Rockets did earlier in the season. Yeah. But like outside of that, you really have to try to be that bad. Yep. Pull the lever. Pull it. And we'll see. We'll we'll see if they're willing to do it because those teams below us and and including OKC, you know, they're willing to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They're willing to yank them levers. They will. They'll do it. I'm I'm curious to see if OKC will pull any levers here. I don't know if it. I really. I just don't know. I, I do. Do you think it's necessary? I do. In order okay. to, in order to stay. At four, I think that is probably necessary. Yeah. Because I do think that Indiana... God, that team sucks, man. I, I was watching them against the Clippers the other day, and it was just... I I mean, my head is just in my hands half of the game, just like, come on! Like, what are you doing? You have more talent than this Clippers team does. What is going on here? Like, they're a disaster. What, what when does Carlisle get some blame? I mean, it's that thing. I mean, it's the same stuff that's going on with Vogel right now. Like, 
it's roster construction stuff mostly, but I do think that that Vogel deserves or not Vogel. Vogel doesn't deserve any blame in my book, but Carlisle probably does because he's not making this team better. That's for sure. Like they're like they're a lot worse, <laughs> a lot lot worse than they were. I know, and you think about how dysfunctional they were last season, right? And how it how it was seen as like this anomaly for this well run small market organization to have this weird season where like they bring in this hot name coach and it just doesn't work out, and they're having blow ups on the sideline. Like people are actually talking about the Pacers because there's just drama for the first time. Yeah, and then to go from that to this, I mean, I'm sure their expectations coming in were like. This is we we barely have to think about it. Just put the team on cruise control. Right. We're bringing in Carlisle. This is great. And to go through this now, the, the the thing that excites me though is, did you see the Sacramento Bee? Yeah. Uh, published an article this morning that says it. that the Kings are including De'Aaron Fox in their discussions with Indiana for Sabonis. Yeah. Uh, which like who cares either way? Like I don't really care about those teams, but. If Indiana did get De'Aaron Fox, you could imagine them being a little bit better. Yeah. Not not that I like love Fox or anything, but just the fact that they wouldn't be trading Sabonis for a picks package. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, if they trade him, it's going to be for a solid player. Mm-hmm. And the same is probably true with Miles Turner, although his injury makes everything a little weird. Yeah. But that's why I, I just haven't given up total hope on the Pacers yet because I still feel like they will try to win. Yeah. They will. Yeah, they're not going to bottom out. Like that's that's just not in their DNA to bottom out. And yesterday on Tampering, which is on the Athletic NBA show, Sam Amick said, who's the most plugged into the Kings, you know, pro- probably the most plugged in guy to the Kings, period. He said the Kings are he would be shocked if they did not do something big at the deadline. Yeah. So they're they're poised to do something. So whether it be, I mean, another rumor out there is that they're willing to take on Tobias Harris in a Ben Simmons deal. Um, I know. Which, g- good luck on you, Kings. Like, go for it, you know? And then if you're, I mean, what do you think about that for Philly? Because it would probably be healed Barnes and Fox. Yeah, if it, if it wasn't, well, first of all, how crazy is it that a few months ago in the summer, coming off of last season, you know, people were throwing out the idea of a Simmons for Fox swap, but doing it in a way it's like, you know, the Kings probably aren't going to do that because Fox has way more value than Simmons. And the Kings probably agreed with that. And all the Kings fans would have agreed with that. And now they're at the point where they're including Fox and taking back Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. Like just the asset management. Of like selling at a player's absolute low. (laughs) So Kings. The problem is the pressure of ownership. This is where like ownership matters so much because like if the, if the Thunder had a bad owner and they saw all this stuff going on and they were like, Hey, listen, why don't you take some of the picks that we have? Look how close we are to the play in. Let's get in because I'd like to get, you know, the gate money. Right. So let's do that. Because this team is obviously pretty good. Why don't you play Mike Muscala more? Why don't you play Kendrick Williams more? Why don't you sit Poku and Darius Baisley down? Let's go get a forward and let's make a push. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that's going on behind the scenes in places like Indiana 
and in Sacramento where they're like, yeah, like you have to make the play in. <laughs> like you just, it's play in or nothing for the Kings or else probably like everybody's getting fired. Like you're all gone, you know? So it's, it's, it's crazy. It will make the trade deadline more fun. It'll make a Ben Simmons trade more possible, I guess. You know, I think Harrison Barnes is probably a better fit than Tobias Harris is because he'll take more threes. Um, and then Buddy Heald is obviously a guy that's been one of like the better three-point shooters in NBA history. Now, can they get him to defend enough for him to stay on the court in the playoffs? Like, I don't know. Um, and then Fox. I mean, you just basically get to add Fox just right on top of what they're doing. <laughs> you get to add the Kings. You get to sprinkle some Kings on your team that you I want know, to be it, a contender. But is that fair to those guys? <laughs> to I don't know. That? They've been there a while. I, I say it might be fair for Fox. It might. I mean, we've seen Barnes succeed. Yeah, but we've never seen them play with anybody like Joel Embiid, who is legitimately probably one of the best three players in the league. <sighs> I mean, he'll he'll played with AD in New Orleans. I don't know. I mean, I, for a if, minute. If, if if Philly got Halliburton and those two guys, Heald and Barnes, yeah, I think I'd feel better about it just because I still think yeah. that there's some ceiling potential with Halliburton. Yeah. Because um, we, we've seen the way he played when De'Aaron Fox was out this season. I mean, he was racking up double-digit assists every night, which is not what I was anticipating for mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton mm-hmm. to look like as a lead guard. So that excites me more than the fit with Tyrese Maxey and De'Aaron Fox. I agree. Because I because agree. that fit, like you really are betting that Maxi's shooting is real and you're betting that Fox's shooting is going to come back. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in both cases, the defense is kind of like going to be similar. Um, pe- people seem to think that Halliburton isn't that great on ball, but he's a good off ball defender. Halliburton obviously like has, or Fox has all the athleticism that you would possibly want defensively so maybe in a better setting he becomes a better defender yeah it'd be interesting either way i I like that the extra pieces you're getting like the salary fodder are actually going to be helpful Mm -hmm. for philly like Mm -hmm. getting healed and barnes yeah i do too but fox has a dimension to them that they don't have though like they don't have any speed like zero speed you know yeah that's true and somebody that could get on the break and go score like nobody else is really doing that so uh, Georges Nang Niang. I like Niang. He, he's, he's so he's so fast, Andrew. <laughs> they call him the minivan, <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect. It's so good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see, and and if OKC gets involved, I mean, honestly, at this point, I hope they pull the lever number one. Number which two. what? Which is what, Andrew? Trading Kenrich. I think trading mm. Kenrich is mm. the lever mm. to pull. Mm. I love mm. Kenrich. Love him. I love. Doesn't that sound he, like it. Love that he loves Lake Hefner. Love so many things about him. Uh, however, I love. Does he really love Lake Hefner? He expressed that to me one time. Yes, that he really? likes to go to Lake Hefner. Yeah. He should uh, hang out with Luke. The old man can see Lake Hefner from his uh, new apartment. I know. Kenrich and Kenrich is like one of the few guys that's married, you know, on the team too. So he's probably going to the lighthouse a lot. Just hanging out at the lighthouse, you know, <laughs> playing Pokemon Go out there probably. Who knows? Um, man, I do I do hope they do it. I honestly have no feel for what if they're going to do it or not. 
I do know that he wants to be here. I do know that the Thunder love him. So like, but we'll see how much those factors play in. Or is the pulling of the lever a stronger thing? You know, like getting better odds. Is that a better thing than just having, you know, a, a love for one another? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. And so much can change because, I mean, we were in this exact spot last season and then Shea gets hurt and there's really no lever to pull because like, yeah, that's the lever. If, if Shea's, if Shea's not on the court and well, and they also you, let, and then they told that Horford to go home. You know? Oh, true. Yeah. That, that was a lever. Yeah. It was a lever. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm first of all, Boston traded Juancho Hernan Gomez. So that that's over. There's, there's one team that ne- needed to get below the tax. Isn't going to do it. So that was wrong. That was wrong. So we've got to look at some of these other teams now. Moving on to like Ricky Rubio and yep. maybe maybe even the Clippers. You know, people brought up Serge Ibaka. You know, I I my my anticipation right now is that that's the only thing that's going to happen. Like they're going to get to the salary floor by taking on some not not necessarily bad players, but they're mm-hmm. just taking on the contracts. Yeah. They they have no role on the team. Yeah, and they're doing it for like a second. Or something. Depending on how much money it is. Like, if it's $20 million, then it's a first. You know? Like, that's how much it costs. I mean, the Thunder got a... Didn't they get a... They got a first for... Um, for favors. Yeah, that's true. So, also, he had two years left. So, uh, they could get a first. Or a young player in a deal yeah. to take on some money. Yeah, I I kind of expect that. I don't expect there to be fireworks on the Thunder side. I expect for it to be kind of business as usual. And I think the fireworks will be teams that are currently in the tank race. Like which ones are going all in on making the play in versus which ones are dropping out. And looking at the yeah. teams above us, like I don't I there's been no indication that any of those teams are quote unquote dropping out. Like n- none of those teams are just ready to throw in the towel and tank. Like mm-hmm. the Pacers, you know, any of the deals that we've heard about, like even the, even the deal that was proposed for miles Turner, that was going to Dallas for Jalen Brunson. Yeah. Like that's still a, a good player they're bringing back. Yeah. Who could yeah. potentially help them this season. Doubt. The Pelicans, you've heard that like they wanted to use the trade exception that was made by the Steven Adams deal. Yep. They're still in buyer mode mm-hmm. because I mean they they're they're hanging around enough where if Zion ever did come back they would probably be, probably be the favorite to make the plan yeah and then the Spurs like yeah they traded Bryn Forbes but I don't really think that's going to material change materially change anything <laughs> on the court for them <laughs> no, <laughs> that much no no I mean you you read I was reading uh, like Spurs Reddit last night mm-hmm. and they were basically saying this is all just to get Josh Primo minutes. Like Primo's that's been good. Like what he, it's about. He's been closing games for them and has played well. And he's a better defender than Bryn is. He's a more athletic. He can do he's got a little bit more shake with his dribble too. So like yeah. It's it's and it's not it's a kind of a nothing deal, honestly. The whole thing was a nothing deal <laughs> last night. Right. And then we've already talked about the Kings. We know the Hawks are aggressively trying to get better. Yep. And that's when you get to the Blazers, who, like, of those teams, they're still the most likely to tank. And so for them to win these games up front is just really good for OKC because oh. now they have, like, about – they have a four-game gap in the loss column. Yeah. Oh, it's very good. 
It's 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 very good. I I was afraid like a week and a half ago. It's like oh no, like the Blazers are gonna be there, and now they're yeah eighteen and twenty five. So yeah, that's uh that's good. That's a good spot to be in because and and OKC's you know we've talked about it. Their upcoming stretch is the most important you know, of the season where they have San Antonio, Charlotte, Cleveland, Chicago, Indy, Portland, Dallas, Portland, Sacramento, like that stretch right there. Like that will likely determine if they stay at four, if they lose a ton of those games. And then when we know that they're up the stretch after that's going to be a lot harder, you know, maybe they do have a chance to drop to three, but like this is, if you have, Hope to stay at four. Like, this is the stretch that they need to lose a lot of games. Like, they need to win maybe two of those games, you know, during that stretch. And this is when, and maybe it won't be till after the uh, trade deadline, but I'm interested to see when they start doing some, like, strategic sitting, yeah. strategic resting of players. It will happen. Yeah. Because we, we've already seen it in some of these games where teams are sitting players against us. Oh, yeah. Like, when you know, Brooklyn sat KD. And so that's going to happen as well. Mm -hmm. Like teams will target us as a rest team. Mm -hmm. And that's scary too. True. But yeah, I'm overall, I'm feeling, I'm feeling solid. Yeah. With the caveat that again, they've been very competitive over these last two weeks without Kenrich Williams. If you add him back in, they're winning a lot of these games. Mm -hmm. Though I will say like, Aaron Wiggins is doing like an incredible Kenrich impersonation. Like he's he, been he's good. really been solid. He, I was watching uh so that Mavs game, you know, didn't uh Danny and Nate, Nate and Danny. Yeah. Nate and Danny. Danny and Nate. <laughs> uh they were doing a they were doing a stream for it. Yeah. I heard that. I didn't I didn't watch theirs, but I I watched it. It was it I was, was listening to Matt Pinto on the call actually. Which, you know, it's so weird. On Twitter, everyone was like, oh, I love Matt Pinto. Matt Pinto's so great. And then you go to Thunder Reddit, and they're like, who is this guy? He's not getting any of Michael Cage's jokes. <laughs> I like Pinto. Pinto is... Pinto's... He's legitimately very good at his job. And he is. He's very, like, no frills, no BS. Like, and he gets, I'm just going and to. And he gets pissed off, like... A lot during the games, which is just, it's just fun. Where Chris Fisher is just like, just going. Like, he's just kind of one of the more benign play-by-play guys in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I thought he was, I thought he was solid. I've always liked Matt Pinto. But anyways, Nate and Danny. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was, I, I prefer it to the regular thing just because they're like calling out things that I wouldn't necessarily notice. But there was a play and it was probably in like the fourth quarter where it was kind of like a broken play. Josh had gotten into the paint, but he, he didn't really have a lot of options. And he threw it to Aaron Wiggins, who was inside the three-point line, mm-hmm. but took steps back and perfectly positioned himself for a three-pointer as he's catching the ball mm-hmm. and then hit a corner three. Yeah, And they just called it out like, wow, that's incredible footwork for a rookie to be able to do that, to have like that court awareness because it's kind of like the Ray Allen play. Yeah. Where like you just have the, like that sixth sense of where the corner three is going to be, and it, it obviously wasn't that dramatic, but it was just like a really cool skill that they pointed out that I might have not noticed otherwise. And then you just start watching him on defense a little bit more, and just how he never really gives up. 
Like even when he gets beat going around a screen or something, he always ends up making up that ground. He's just been really impressive. Yeah, he's, and he's one of the reasons solid. why they're staying so competitive during this stretch. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he's definitely something that you know. I think a lot of teams have uncovered players either from the G League or from wherever or two way guys. You know, during this time where you're playing a lot of guys that you wouldn't be playing, and you know, Aaron Wiggins is a guy that they've their hand has been forced a little bit to play more, but you know, I think he's a guy that that they really like and that I think Mark obviously really likes him. He plays him a lot. Uh, and and his, his shot looks good too. Like at least compared, compared to some of the other guys on the team who sure. are like, are always wondering, is this real or not? Mm-hmm. Like Wiggins, just, just the way his shot looks, it's, it's very believable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I like him. What is, what does he look like in year two is, is what I would like to see, you know, like how real is it, you know, cause we've seen like low usage guys do some stuff in OKC before. Let's see how like sustainable it is with Wiggins. Cause if he can, well, who's the Debbie of, downer now dunkers, who's the Debbie downer if, now If he can do this. Then he's like a <laughs> legitimate player in the NBA, but you know what I mean? Like we've seen this. No, kind of, we've seen this kind of stuff before from guys. Let's see if it can stick. Uh, also, with a, I mean that there's a, there's a void of talent on the wing for the Thunder. Like there's no question about that. And so like the bar, like the bar to clear to play on the Thunder on the on the wing is pretty low. Um, but I have liked what I've seen from him so far. Uh, looking at the injury report for tonight, it looks like we we've got Vit Krejci who is with the Thunder, but he's not with the Thunder. He, I don't really, that they're basically bringing him up to do some kind of like clerical work on that. I don't really know, but he's, they're making him do clerical work. He's sitting behind a desk right now. Okay. Oh no. Um, But he's rehabbing with like the thunder. Like he's, he's here in Oklahoma city. He's not on the trip. He's rehabbing his ankle. He had a really bad ankle injury just before Christmas. Um, And so he's with the thunder, but rehabbing Um, Teo Poku Roby. Um, Paul Watson and yeah, and Paul Watson are all with the G League, and then Kenrich is still out in health and safety protocols. And then for the Spurs, um, Zach Collins is returning to competition but reconditioning, which is okay. interesting, but won't play. And then oh, Josh Primo's with the G League. What a bummer. Tra- and Trey Jones is in health and safety, but everybody else is playing. So. Yeah, that, uh, Bruno Passos, who was on Saturday Slam and Jam, I follow him now, and yeah. he was saying that they like finally have their guys back, and they've been kind of waiting for a get-right win, but have just had some tough games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe this will be their get-right win tonight because oh. it is at home. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do it. You're you're rooting for the Spurs. Let's go Spurs. Go Spurs. Go. Uh, All right, Alex, let's take a quick break. Right after the break, we're going to break down some rookie power rankings right after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from the quick break. Alex, uh, Mike Schmitz of ESPN put out a rookie power rankings yesterday. And I'm going to break it down for you and let me know what you think. Evan Mobley, number one. No surprise. We've got Cade Cunningham, number two, for the Pistons. Three, Scotty Barnes. Four is Franz Wagner. Five is our guy, Josh Giddy. Six, Herb Jones. Seven, Jonathan Kaminga, who's played really well lately for the Warriors, come in. I think he's he's been on a scoring tear recently. Uh and then Jalen Green at eight, Chris Duarte at nine, and then Ayo Desumu at ten. Any any shockers there? Any surprises? Any thoughts? Um, you know, you read that list, and like obviously it's top heavy. You like the top of the draft, yeah. But by the time you're getting down to like the lower names on that list, I'm like, meh. You know, whatever. <laughs> I, like there's there's guys not on that list that I'm just way more excited about. I, I understand why they're not on the list, but uh, that's why I don't really like those rookie rankings because it it like adds extra emphasis to guys who are just coming in and playing a role. Yeah, like to and people and, and, yeah, yeah, and people yeah, read uh, it and they're like, oh, that means like what a great steal for that team. And it's like, okay, sure. But that's probably like what their role is going to be in the NBA. Yeah, there's so many other guys that I would still rather have that aren't on that list. Yeah, it it takes out the the guys that ha- still have a ton of potential, or you know, guys that have been playing like decently, but maybe there's like a lot of holes in their game because they're young. You know, I mean, it's it's like when Vicini had like JRE in his top ten. Sure, it's like yeah, I get it. But I'm not like going crazy. Sh- I would like some of the guys that aren't on that list. He shouldn't <laughs> instead. Have been, yeah, he shouldn't have been a top. It doesn't mean he should have been a top ten pick. Like that's like that's not right. What yeah, these things mean. Uh, but but in terms of the top five, like yes, those are the guys that are we're at, taken at the top of the draft and are playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Giddy. I don't know if he's hitting like a rookie wall or he's just had a couple of bad games in a row. But it, he just hasn't really. F- fit in the flow of the game as well as he looked previously. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had like more turnovers lately. He had the six turnover game and I think he had four turnovers against the Mavs. Yeah. I really like when he's in motion and gets the ball. Mm-hmm. Like when he's just in the half court and is just at the top of the key, runs around a pick, he can't get into the paint. He, he like very rarely beats someone to the paint that way. Yeah. And he usually will pick up his dribble and then usually make a nice pass. But, like, that's about it in the half court right now. Or he's standing out on, outside of the three-point range. When he's in transition, not even like a fast break, but when he's in transition and just the floor opens up for him, I just like that version of Josh Giddy so much right now. Yeah. And I 
they're not a particularly fast paced team. Like I was looking up at their pace numbers. They're sixteenth in pace right now. Yeah. I, I would just love to see Giddy in the open floor a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and take some of those like crazy Lamello court length passes because you know he can do it but he, he rarely does it yeah. like when he in, inbounds the ball he usually just especially in that Mavs game he was just like bringing it up and he'd pick up his dribble and pass it to Shea or something mm-hmm. I would just like to see him be a little bit more aggressive with some of these passes like we saw earlier in the season because yeah. I, I don't know just right now his play has left me a little cold even, even as his shooting has been improving yeah shooting has improved like quite a bit recently yeah. he's getting better off ball i'll say that like his off ball game i think is dramatically improved one because of his shooting but also like you watch him he almost cuts on like every drive yeah. sometime to his own detriment like there was a play that nikaias duncan tweeted out where like dort was driving to the middle of the lane and giddy was thinking he was going to take it to the cup because that's what dort does and they ended just kind of like running into each other and as a result dort didn't have this outlet to throw it to beyond the three-point line. And it, it would have been an open three for Giddy if he had just stayed there. Mm-hmm. But that's one time when it didn't work. But a lot of other times, like that's where he's generating some of his offense is by cutting constantly yeah. in a way that a lot of players on the Thunder just don't normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at his last 15 games. Um, well, it's like the last 15 games of the Thunder. He only played in 12 of them. Uh, but he is shooting 36% from three on almost five attempts per game, which is better than Cade Cunningham, better than Chris Duarte in that span, better than Jalen Green in that span, better than Franz Wagner is cooled off from three. He's only 28%. So that's uh, that's quite interesting to me. I don't I don't know. I, it's he's definitely on a hot streak. So I don't want to say like, oh, this is the real Josh Giddy. You know, this is this is who he is. This is what he's going to do the rest of his career. Uh, I don't know, but at least I mean to show that it's possible in his rookie year is progress that I just didn't anticipate. Like, I think that he has to tighten up his handle. I think that he just needs to get more experience. Like that Cavs team, like really screwed him up with the with the early on like he was trying to make passes like normal passes that he would make and wasn't ready for all of the limbs that the Cavs yeah. have you know and so and we saw that against the Timberwolves too like yeah. any like super aggressive defense that's really long is going to bother him yeah and that's and that's he's got to make adjustments it's like okay well let's see how he does against the Cavs when they play him again they play the Cavs here again uh, pretty soon let's see how he adjusts you know those things I'm not too worried about because I know he's got those skills like he's going to figure that kind of stuff out but it's the shooting stuff the fact that he's shooting 44 percent from the field which isn't great but it's like a normal percentage (laughs) you know (laughs) like with poku it's been like can poku even shoot 40 percent like can we even (laughs) get there you know the fact that he's shooting 44 percent and 36 percent from three on high volume i mean he's taking almost the same amount of threes that Cade cunningham is per game which, if you'd have told me that he was doing that preseason, I'd be like, "Man, you—that's nuts!" And man, he's probably missing a lot of threes, you know. In that stretch, let me see what how many it is total, because I mean, that's—I mean, he's taken fifty-eight threes in these twelve games, and he's shooting thirty-six percent. Like that's—that's—I'm very encouraged by that. Very, very encouraged by that because I do think that the handle 
and the passing and the rebounding, like all that stuff, I think will continue to translate. He's going to get better. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get more experience. But if he can hit a spot up three, like, okay, great. Like I'm all in. Yeah. He's, he's, if you look just at the basketball reference, 2021 draft page, like, especially comparing him to the other guards in the class or the lead ball handlers, like his percentages are right in line with every other rookie. Like there's, I mean, Cade, Jalen, and Jalen Suggs, well, both of the Jalens are all shooting under 40% from the field right now. So like Josh Giddey's doing perfectly fine there. Mm -hmm. I I think it's more about like watching how he's getting those points. And do you actually believe that it's sustainable? Like, do you actually believe that he's going to be able to do these things at an NBA level long term? Yeah. If if it was just spot ups, I would be more cautious with my take because I do think that that can be a little bit fleeting. But he's taking like some step backs and making them. He's getting to his floater and making that. He's making shots in a variety of ways, which makes me think that at some point he's going to be at least a decent score. Yeah. What are you, what are your long-term concerns though about like him just being able to get by guys? Cuz like it happens rarely where it's just him and another guy like so often like he looks like he's being aggressive in terms yeah. of like how he's dribbling, but defenders swallow him up so easily when he's trying to drive one-on-one. Yeah. Uh I mean, he's going to have to figure out a a, a different way. You know. It's not maybe it's strength. Like maybe he just gets stronger and then he can just bully guys because that will probably that's probably more likely to happen than him suddenly like developing a crazy handle and like yeah. crossing guys up. Yeah, I don't expect that to be a part of his game. I think he'll use strength and I also think if the Thunder get a good player in this next draft, it's just gonna make life so much easier for them because he knows how to use passing as a way to gain an advantage. And so if he has like a good rim roller or just a good score to play pick and pop with or whatever they get in the draft, they're going to add a big piece no matter what. If I just think that adding somebody else that has any sort of gravity is going to help him so much and help Shea so much. Because right yeah. now, it's those two. And teams are still kind of just being like, all right, Lou Dort, do whatever you want. <laughs> You know, I know. Like if Dort, like if you're gonna, if if we're gonna lose this game to Lou Dort, like you know, God bless him. You know, like that's kind of the way that teams are operating with the Thunder. It's like we cannot let Shea get his, we cannot let Josh get his, but we're gonna let Lou kind of go nuts. And if he does, then you know we lost. And so if you add one more piece to it. Like, I don't care who you say who's in the top five or six in this draft. Like, there's going to be guys that can really score the basketball, and they're going to, you know, take some attention away from these guys. And I think that that's what those two need is like somebody else on the roster to care about. And once they get more guys to care about, I think that it will open up things for them naturally. And I just think, like you said, he's going to get stronger. He's going to get more experience. He is obviously one of the smarter guys on the floor almost every night with the way that he plays. You know, just the fact that he can get shots off and the way that he has with like the lack of athleticism like says a lot to me as to what he 
could potentially be. Like his ceiling is a lot higher than I thought it was going to be going into this season. So, um, and you talked about having like someone who people actually guard. Like that's why I would love if like Trey Mann had Lou Dort shot profile, like or had that kind of usage where he could be the one taking like six, seven threes per game. Yeah. Because even if it was a little rough at the start, you could imagine a scenario where by the end of the season, Trey Mann has become like a pretty deadly spot up shooter for OKC. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like we're, we were getting there fast enough. And I would just like to see him taking like four threes per game, every single game. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Uh, certainly feels like there's just no way that's going to happen. You know, in that same, I think he's played 10 games. In 10 games, he's taken 31 threes. He's only hit eight of them, shooting 25%. Yeah. Um, his shot's better than that. Like, it just is, like, flat out better than that. Um, like, he's one of the guys, like, I look at Cade's three-point stats or Jalen Green's three-point stats. Like, yeah. yeah, they're terrible right now, but, like, I believe in those guys' shots. And, like, you want them to keep taking them, obviously. And I feel the same way about Trey. Like, I don't really care what the percentage is because if he's going to be good in the NBA, it's going to be because of that. Like, he's he's going to become, like, a 38% plus three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I I would just want him taking those shots. I'm actually impressed that he's taken – so that's 3.1 attempts per game? Yeah. You said 31 in his last 10 games? Mm -hmm. So maybe he is getting there. Yeah. He's just missing them all. <laughs> just missing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at, let me look at what these guys are on the season. Cause I mean, the 15 game sample size, like that's, it's significant. Um, but you no, know, it just, I mean, it just shows that like these guys are actually improving in spots yet. Yeah, I mean, giddy on the season is only 28% from three, 40% from the field. Um, but you look at the other like high volume guys like Jalen Green, six attempts, thirty percent, like not that much higher. Cade Cunningham's only thirty-two percent on the season. Even Duarte's cooled off that a ton. He's at thirty-four percent on the season, which has been part of Indiana not <laughs> keeping their head above water. Is that he is, you know, a guy they really relied on, you know, at the beginning of the season. There's really it's like, so insane. All the high volume guys just aren't shooting well. From three, like Zaire Williams has taken three attempts per game, twenty-seven percent. Um, Davion Mitchell's twenty-nine percent from three. Jalen Suggs, man, he's just really struggled. Twenty-five percent on four and a half attempts per game this year. Yeah, that's that's brutal. They they like did not stand a chance against Portland of all teams. They're, they just got like demolished. They're hope they're hopeless this year. <laughs> like absolutely hopeless. Um, now there have been uh, some some Thunder fans calling for some renewed Bamba interest, Andrew. Yeah, is that, Bamba is available. Is that right? You have any you Bamba? interested? I'm not interested. No. What about for um, Onyeka Okongwu? Yeah, 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 definitely Okongwu. But they're not trading Okongwu, right? Uh, I, I would assume no, but they seem to be open to anything right now. What would it, what would you? What's the deal? I, I think it would take a lot. I think it would take like Dort, Kenrich, and a pick for them to even like be interested. Oh my! I'm serious. Like, why? What reason do they have to trade Okongwu? Like, you're gonna don't. have it, if you if you're going to get him, it's because you're giving them a deal that's just like so incredible they can't turn it down. What if you do? What if you did this? 
What if you say mm. we'll take on Delon Wright and Danilo Gallinari? Do they? Why? Why would they even care about that? Gallo's an expiring. Just take it on. Like, get them out of the get them out of the tax. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It gets them like way under the tax if they're able to do that, and then you give them. Uh, are you still wanting to trade Dort? Are you still a Dort hater over there? I'm not saying I want to trade Dort. I'm just saying if you want someone like Okongwu, you can't just give them Bays and Ty Jerome <laughs> and picks. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. That. <laughs> you have to give something of value, and what do we possibly have of value other than Kenrich and Dort that Atlanta would want? Yeah, Kenrich favors. A first round. No, pick. favors is bad. Favors is bad money. He's an that's Atlanta, another ten million next year. He's an Atlanta year. boy. No, they do not want Derek Favors. They don't want their Georgia Tech man back. No, they don't want their Georgia Tech man. Oh, that's just a shame. That's really sad. I'm I, telling you, it would take Dort and Kenrich because you're not getting him for Kenrich and picks. So you'd have to give Dort plus Kenrich plus. Even pick. if you take on Gallo and Delon Wright. No. I don't think they, they they have not been the team that you've heard about like, oh, they're trying to get under the cap. They're really worried about their luxury tax payments. That hasn't been them. It could be. We just don't know. We don't know everything. We could get them freaked out about their money situation. Yeah, we call them and just get them real freaked out about money and the stock market's about to crash and everything's going to go <laughs> to hell, everybody. We gotta, you guys got to get these guys out of here. Um, yeah, that would be but, great. Yeah, I would. I mean, would I trade Dort? And Kenrich for Anyeka Kongwu. Probably probably yeah. not. If this draft didn't have so many good big guys, then I would consider it, but probably Yeah, that's kind of the problem with any... Probably not. Because uh, somebody sent me a, a <laughs> message about Miles Turner, and the, and the pitch was, he's injured this year, so yeah. he like actually helps your tank. Yeah. And then you come back next year, and you have a 26-year-old center that's you know a shooter, good rim protector, all that. Like You can kind of see the logic. But, again, it comes back to the draft. It's like, okay, but then what if you get the first pick and, like, this team loves Chet Holmgren? Like, now all of a sudden, like, Miles Turner's an expiring and he's probably just going to leave the next summer. And I kind of feel the same way as you do about Okongwu where, like, I would love to have him, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, depending on who we got in the draft, like, it might complicate that. Maybe it wouldn't because, like, Jabari Smith obviously could play with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Paolo could play with them, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe I shouldn't even... I mean, if you can get a good young player, you should probably just do it. Who cares? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I like a Kongwu. I think he's, I think he's really good. Anyway. Because that, that, that small ball lineup, again, going back to the Mavs game in the third quarter, you replace JRE with a Kongwu as like your small ball center because he's only 6'8", but he, he plays bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Like That is really fun. Now, he can't shoot. No. So that's another non-shooter you're, you'd be adding to the team. So mm-hmm. then the need for shooting becomes even more desperate. What would the Thunder give up that, that the Pacers would want in a Turner trade? That the Pacers would want? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, if they want picks, we got whatever you need. I mean, they'd probably love Kenrich, but that they have to get something better than that for Miles Turner, right? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, Kenrich and a pick. 
and also you save money. Yeah, because some the the down to Dunker who tweeted at me was making the case like even if it doesn't work out, you he would still have value next year. Yeah, whether it be at the trade deadline or whatever. I think it just depends on what they see as their goal for next year. Like, obviously, if you wanted to win, mm-hmm. if you wanted to get to 40 wins, like, Miles Turner is a great way to do that. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, that starting lineup would look pretty impressive. Yeah. Depending on who they slotted in at the four. Yeah, the problem is that it's just not time. If this were next year, if we were, like, to fast forward a year from now, and... Like maybe then you deal for Miles Turner, but then you don't because he's going to be an exp- he's an expiring then. So yeah, yeah. I just don't. Look, think if you if you did a get a mandate, there. Andrew, from your owner, said yeah. this team better be good next year. That would be one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think Turner helps them a lot, I and mean, we see how much a guy like Mike Mascala helps. You know, you had a- who by by the way, like Mike Mascala's interior defense. Not the worst thing in the world. He's a good player, man. He really is. He's kind of solid. Yeah. He's getting around the rim. He's gotten better. Like he's gotten better since he's been in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, I've seen that. And yeah, I mean if he's your back like your full time backup center, I don't know. Like it's a that's a pretty good piece, honestly, when you're trying to compete. I just think that we're still not there. We're not as close as some people wish we were to trying to compete yet. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that next year is the year either. But do you, do you think, cause I kind of believe this, like, yes, we're probably far away given our luck, mm-hmm. but if you had added an Evan Mobley to this team this year, I think they would have like would 26 a, wins right now. It'd be a lot more difficult to to tank, especially if they would have gotten the uh, the absolute dream scenario of like two and five, you know, where you, yeah, yeah, where you have like Mobley and Giddy, and uh, God, stop, I just have to go vomit now. Like I just we, we'd be done, we'd be done. We wouldn't have to do pods. It's just like watch the team; they're good now. See you guys later. They'd be good. They would be good. They'd be a lot better than they are today. And maybe you're getting. I don't know. They're not. They probably don't make the play in. But maybe they get like the tenth pick in this draft. You know, who knows this year? No one wants it. No one wants what? The tenth. Like the. I mean the like the tenth spot. I mean the Blazers are a game and a half up in the tenth right now. Yeah. In the tenth seed. Teams want it. They're just bad at getting it. <laughs> it would make me. I, I just can't imagine rooting for the Kings. Like the Kings want it badly. The Spurs do want it. The Pelicans do want it. The only teams that don't want it are the Thunder and the Rockets, honestly. Like the Clippers would still want it. The Blazers want to be there. You know, all those teams still want to be there. You know, nobody, it's just that everybody's really bad at getting there. Like the Kings and Spurs and Pelicans are just really bad at getting there. Yeah. I mean, the Spurs are two and eight in their last 10. Like, unbelievable. Like, they had been playing well. They had a positive point differential before this last stretch, and now they're in the negative, which is still, they still have the, what is it, the seventh, the eighth best uh, point differential in the Western Conference. But, 
Yeah, it was positive before this last stretch. Now there's only seven teams with a positive <laughs> point differential in the Western Conference. Hey, we have breaking news, Andrew. A random guy from a Milwaukee sports radio station has, has broken the Ben Simmons trade. What did he say? His name's Gregory Smith. Is Gregory a word? Gregory? Yeah. No. It's not. It's, it's not. not is this fake? This guy looks like Joel Klatt. Uh, he said Ben Simmons will be traded to the Sacramento Kings for a package centered around young prospect Tyrese Halliburton. Teams are currently finalizing the package, which could also be sending Tobias Harris to the Kings. Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes expected to move. Who are team that? Huh? Where'd you, how'd you, where are you seeing this at? Uh, Trill Bro, dude. Oh, Trill Bro. <laughs> I've been listening to Trill Bro's podcast. Now that Ricky's, uh, right, Ricky Sanchez is mainstream, because they're on the low post. <laughs> They've I been on the low post before. Anymore. That's not their first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they sold out, so they're not my Sixers <laughs> pod anymore. Now, really? Now I, now I listen to You Know Ball oh, with Trill Bro wow. Dude. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Do you, would you ever... Would you ever break a story? Like, if you if you got it, or would you, like, like how does it work uh, at the athletic? Would you have to pass it to like Shams or or Sam Amick? No, like the actually those guys would if if they had like a so, sometimes like just like inside baseball a little bit like those guys are not like you, it has to go through me guys. Which mm-hmm. there's some there's there are people in the industry that are hey if you get something it has to go through me. <laughs> like I have who to, could that be? I have to be on the byline. Um, sometimes at the athletic is actually the opposite where it's like, Hey, I have this. Do you want it? You know, kind of thing. So, um, I don't know. I'm just with regards to that kind of stuff. Like if I got something, I'm so like far under the radar (laughs) on doing that kind of stuff that I don't think that anybody would even care, you know? What but, if what if you broke Gabriel Deck's return to the NBA? I did. Or his return to the NBA. I broke I broke his contract number. Oh yeah, that's true. Um which is like the smallest thing to break ever, you know. <laughs> but I had it before everybody else did. Um I wish I wish Luke had been more aggressive cuz he knew about like the Paul George party. Yeah before and he told us but of course we were just like okay it sounds yeah, cool like, Luke. it's like some of that stuff like i just am like so careful like i i've heard a lot of things before they happen but i just a lot of times i just i'm too probably too careful about what i put out there on twitter why don't certainly. you start a burner account that only tweets those rumors oh i could start a rumor mill completely disconnected from you or down to down <laughs> It's just called like Thunder Insider. (laughs) (laughs) There probably already is a Thunder Insider Twitter account that is completely outside, you know, of what's going on. Um, Yeah, it would. I don't know. Part of me is just like wants to stay out of that kind of stuff a little bit, you know, kind of. You don't don't want to be a newsbreaker. That's fine. Rather be a commentator. Than a news you need breaker. to pa- pass those uh, nuggets on to Luke and let him become the official source of wow. Thunder News. 
where he just uh, retweets questionable tweets and <laughs> tweets out actual <laughs> NBA news. <laughs> oh, get the L man some followers. Get the L man some some likes and some RTs. <laughs> Can you imagine Luke being on a like invited on a podcast because of some of the rumors that he's tweeting about and him having like talk it's actually, about it? It's actually a new goal of mine. <laughs> is to uh, make this happen, to get the L-Man some love here. Uh, hey, uh, before we go, did you see the uh, When We Were Young uh, concert? Bro, yes, I did. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to share it real quick. Please do. Please do. Uh, just so we can look at the lineup. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Okay, it, can you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so first of all didn't correct me if i'm wrong did we ever open for amberlin or armor for sleep because those two names are very familiar to me amberlin yes we did okay yeah um not well i don't remember if it was Armor. i don't think i think they were on the church circuit back in the day were they i don't remember i don't really know that band i know amberlin they're good like amberlin's is a good band um yeah, this is insane. The the lineup is insane. Which one is uh 18-year-old you most excited about? Um First of all, I was very surprised to see Car Seat Headrest on there cuz I think of them as like a modern band and so I, I was very confused why they're going to be there. Yeah, I don't know uh, who but that I, is. I would say probably Thursday really? would be the yeah. one like if I if I could only go, if I went to this yeah. and could only go to one, mm-hmm. I might I might choose Thursday. Yeah, I mean taking back Sunday obviously would be very fun. Be very fun. Uh, I think the the starting line is here. Oh yeah, Luke Luke would obviously choose Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, I would not. I wish. Now, which which band that's not here mm-hmm. do you want? Because you know they got Avril Lavigne, but they don't have some forty one. <laughs> Avril Lavigne, that's the one that's like, oh gosh. Would, yeah, some of these I would bi- not like, I would not go to that. So if you if you're listening to the podcast, some of the band names are bigger than the others. Yeah. Like Jimmy E. World, Bright Eyes, Avril Lavigne. I get that. Paramore, my chemical romance, get that. I don't know who Bring Me the Horizon and a Day to Remember are. I know a day but to But they must remember. they must be big. I don't know Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, we don't we we got do we don't have good Charlotte on here? Where's good Charlotte? Get cursive on here. A cursive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would go to see cursive. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. This is so. This is going to be next October in Vegas, and I think t- general admission tickets are like two twenty. Woo wee. Maybe we ditch. Sayosin is on here. Uh, maybe Sayosin. we ditch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we ditch summer league and just go to this in Vegas instead. That would be kind of cool. Can you imagine the the crowd for this? It's, it's going to be everyone our age, like basically thirty two to forty. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be real sad. How many of these bands do you think are actually like still really good? Like how like who do you who would you say? And if you're listening to the pod, which most of you are, you can go. What's it called again? When we were young. Uh, when we were young. Yeah, you can probably look it up on Twitter or whatever. It's everywhere. Um, they have, like, I don't know how many bands are on here, like 50 bands or something. It's crazy. Um, who do you think is still really good? Like, do you think any of these bands are like still like legitimately very good? 
I mean, I bet Bright Eyes is still good because Connor Oberst is still putting out music. Yes. So he, I mean, yes, they've got to be really good. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dashboard, I mean, it's just the one guy. So as long as he can still sing, I'm assuming he still sounds like Dashboard. Yeah. Jimmy Eat World like sounded like an old band when they were out to me. <laughs> like they, they felt like a dad band when I was in high school. They so pl- I'm assuming they, they're still a dad band. They played at a Suns game. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And I was watching League Pass, and so you got to see them playing at halftime, and they sounded super, super terrible. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I could see Thursday sounding awful. I could see, yes. I could see them, like, the used might be horrific. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's such a difference from, like, when we were in high school and these people were screaming to now being, like, 40 years old. And still having to scream and hit those screaming notes. I know that's that's the screamo bands are the ones I'm most worried about, to be honest. Like not worried about bright eyes, like they're like, but I am quite worried about screamo only bands here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is going to be. Uh, I, I mean, I would watch. I would pay per view this. Like yeah. stay at my house and just watch it. <laughs> It's almost too much, honestly. Like, <laughs> it's too much. How do you see all the bands? I don't know. How do you do it? Oh, man. Yeah. It's like going to Warp Tour. Do you ever go to Warp Tour? Uh, no. I, when I was younger, that was I thought it was a dream of mine. Yeah. And then the period to when it was a dream to when it was like something I was not interested in at all was like <laughs> six months. So it was, very, it was a very brief period of time when I was interested in going to Warp Tour. It uh, passed quickly. I've been. It was, it was really fun. It was really cool. I mean, who'd just, you see? Who was the best, Andrew? Just there all day. Um, gosh, I'd have to look back at the lineup and see who were. I can't remember who the headliners were. You could literally name any band because they were probably there. It's probably this lineup. <laughs> <laughs> this was Warp Tour. No, it was cool. It was fun. You just you're just walking from stage to stage like all day, listening to bands. Um, yeah, it was very fun. They need uh, to get May. May, yeah. <laughs> I think Dad Dashboard's coming to Oklahoma City soon, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. L-Man's got tickets. Of course he does. I was about yeah. to say, that sounds like something L-Man would go to. L-Man is, L-Man is highly invested in this Dashboard concert. Uh, all right. We are done with the pod. Let's go through and see who's in the stream real quick and where you're from. Uh, Hoopsock69, as always, Twice God, Nathan Creamer, Unhandy Train, T Dot is here, H Rogthar, I don't know if that's how you say it or not, uh, Chad Scott is here, Robbie uh, Miroslav from Germany, thanks for joining. We've got Dude Buffet is here, Gerardo Martinez is here, Tyler Carroll. Tyler Carroll's back on his business on Twitter doing his. Uh, his odds. So go check out Tyler's stuff. I don't, you know, his Twitter handle, Tyler Carroll, whatever. I, I think it's Tyler Carroll. I think it's Tyler Carroll. Well, good. Uh, uh, it's Tyler, Tyler Carroll 12. There we go. Tyler Carroll 12. Go follow him. He's got some stuff going on there. Uh, Frank Terman, uh, Dave Hoffman, Wojciech is here from Poland. He said he's having some crazy, there's some crazy storms in Poland right now. Oh, uh, wild. Uh, Spencer Smith, the Fluky is here. Nate27, Augusto Sarmento is here. Travis Cagle is here. Uh, let's see. Everybody's talking about Hank. Everybody wants to know, get a little 
Good little hand oh, club. could they hear him growling? He was growling. <laughs> I <think> so. <laughs> for like three straight minutes. Uh, my Holy King, TD Clips is here. James Anderson, as always. What's up, dude? Um, all right. Thanks so much for joining. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Alex Buller, Jack, Electric Caveman, Crimson King. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.